Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday, June the 6th, 2019. It is currently 10, 10 a.m. Central Time. Well, there are a number of things I would like to accomplish in this message. And I would also like to accomplish them in the shortest amount of time possible because I'm very aware that many of you are extremely busy and you don't have time to listen to a two-hour podcast. Some of you don't even have time to listen to an hour-long podcast. Some of you even struggle listening to a 30-minute podcast. And I'm very aware of that. However... When you have a lot of things to accomplish, you really can't make any promises. You really can't make any guarantee. I'm going to do my best. That's all I can, that's all I can say. And hopefully you will give me a little, a little leeway here to do what I need to do because I think it will be beneficial. Now, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you listen to my podcast, even if it's a devotional message, if it's a devotional study, if it's a Bible study, if it's a sermon, you know I have a certain philosophy that I operate by, all right? A certain philosophy that guides my preaching, that guides all of my podcasts, and that is I don't like people to be passive listeners. I want people to be active learners, especially Christians when it comes to the Word of God. I don't want you just sitting there passively listening to me. I want you opening a Bible. I want you opening a notebook. I want you writing, studying, looking things up. So over and over and over again, in the process of recording or a sermon, I usually try to have people look this up, look this up, do this, search this out, read this, because I want you involved in the process. Because as a Christian... It is, to me, absolutely imperative for your Christian life, for your spiritual growth, to not be a passive listener, but to have that Bible open, reading, studying, struggling, trying to figure things out. That makes your, that makes your faith something that is a part of you. It makes, it makes it real because you are struggling with it and you are involved in the process of learning and growing. So, I'm going to be using that same philosophy in this message because once again, it's time for one of my Bible study exercises messages, all right? This is one of those messages where I try to give you an exercise, a Bible study exercise for you to work on, for you to dig into, and that's what I have for us today. There's a number of things I'm going to be challenging you to work on, all right? So let's put this all together. At Victory Baptist Church, we have started a verse-by-verse study in the book of Romans. We came to Romans chapter 1, verse 2, where we discover that the gospel had been promised beforehand by the prophets in the scriptures. So, like, the gospel had been promised beforehand in the Old Testament, by the Old Testament prophets, and we can read those promises in the Old Testament scriptures. So it started off with an easy challenge. Let's find five Old Testament passages that seem to contain promise, a promise, one of, you know, each verse, each passage having a promise of the gospel. All right? When we started trying to find those passages, we realized, well, wait a minute. Some of those passages are kind of hard to understand. But if we find passages in the Old Testament that are quoted in the New Testament, right, and seem to clearly be indicated that that Old Testament passage did contain a gospel promise, we started finding something interesting. In some cases, it seemed that the Old Testament writer quoting the Old Testament passage, applying that Old Testament passage to, say, the gospel or some other New Testament idea, 
that in many cases it felt like the New Testament writer was ripping the Old Testament passage out of context. All right? And sometimes when we looked at how the New Testament writer used Old Testament passages, we were somewhat baffled and confused. Again, I think it's Matthew 2.15 with Hosea 11.1. You can listen to all of my sermons and all of the discussion about these things on the VBC 66 app. If you're hearing this, you have no idea what's going on. Go to the Apple App Store, Google Play Store, do a search for VBC 66, VBC 66, and then you can catch up. But if you look at how Matthew uses Hosea 11, you're kind of baffled. You're like, what is going on? So once we kind of once I kind of introduced everyone to this problem, because some people never really thought about the problem, others had, but hadn't done any study to try to resolve the problem. Once I introduced everyone to the problem, I started presenting everyone what will ultimately be a list of seven different theories in how the New Testament writers are using the Old Testament passages of Scripture. All right? So we started working through them. I've given everyone, I think up to, I think I've given uh, three so far. Um, and because we've looked at the census plenor view, um, we've looked at the, uh, the canonical reinterpretation view and the Jewish exegetical view, all right? And I'm not going to repeat everything about them. If you listened to my sermon last night at Victory Baptist Church, I review these things. So I, everyone is, I've got everyone at Victory Baptist Church and everyone following us online working on these ideas, struggling with these ideas. So today I have some, well, I have an assignment for you. Oh, I have really two assignments for you, two things that you need to start working on uh, to continue to struggle with these concepts and co to continue to struggle with trying to figure out how we understand how New Testament writers are using Old Testament passages of scripture. All right. Now, the first thing we need to do, this is very important. The first thing we need to do is we need to challenge everyone. And I challenged everyone at Victory Baptist Church, and I'm going to challenge everyone again. Every person listening to me needs to really figure out what they believe when it comes to the doctrine of the perspicuity of scripture. Perspicuity of scripture. All right. Now, if you don't know what the doctrine of perspicuity of the scripture is, you definitely need to know what that doctrine is, especially if you're not a Catholic, okay? Because this is very much a Protestant teaching. Let me just remind everyone, the doctrine of the clarity of scripture, okay, that's what it's often called, the doctrine of the clarity of scripture, sometimes called the perspicuity of scripture, is a Protestant Christian position teaching that those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded, all right, or taught and opened in some places of Scripture or other that not only, in fact, let me open this up, that not only the learned, I think that's where they're going here, not only the learned, but the unlearned in a due use of the ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. So the basic teaching is the scriptures are very clear when it comes to everything that is uh, everything that is necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation. Those things are extremely clear, and even the unlearned can understand them in the use of ordinary means. All right, and uh, and we could get into a discussion here. There's a lot here in this definition, but this perspicuity of the scriptures doctrine is key, and here's the reason why. If we're trying to figure out how New Testament writers are using Old Testament passages of Scripture, 
and we start trying to figure out a hermeneutical understanding or a hermeneutical view in which we can understand what they are doing, we have to ensure that we don't adopt a view that then contradicts our belief in the perspicuity of Scripture or in the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture. I guess what I'm trying to say is, the reason you need to figure out what you believe about the clarity of Scripture or the perspicuity of Scripture is because you cannot later on adopt a hermeneutical method that contradicts your belief and the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture. There has to be hermeneutical consistency. And too many Christians will apply, will say, this is what this is the hermeneutical thing I believe about this, and then turn right back around and contradict that or hold to a contradictory hermeneutical principle in another situation. You cannot do that. Your, your view of hermeneutics, your view and how you interpret the Bible, there has to be some internal co- logical consistency to it. Because some of those views about how the New Testament writers are handling Old Testament scriptures, they, it flat out contradicts or attacks the doctrine of the perspicuity of scripture, or sometimes known as the doctrine of the clarity of scripture. That is not an option. I said this last night in my sermon And I'm going to say it again this morning. I'm going to continue to challenge people on that, all right? And so what I may do is in the Sermon and Bible Study Notes section of the VBC 66 app, I may post some sermons dealing with the perspicuity of Scripture, and you can hear how some different pastors approach it. I don't don't even think many Protestant pastors agree on what it even means, the perspicuity of Scripture, and how and when it applies and when it doesn't apply. But... I may post a number of sermons so that you can hear some different perspectives. All right, that kind of gets us all on the same page. And that's just, I know some people are going to hear this and not even understand what we're talking about, but I think I've made it clear in the sermon last night, and I think there I did a halfway decent job in making it clear. So what do we need to accomplish this morning? Oh, it's very simple. Oh, it's very simple. Here's what we need to do. We need to work on Romans chapter 2, verse 24. Romans chapter 2, verse 24, and let me read it to you. Romans chapter 2, verse 24, I'll read this from a number of versions. We'll start with the King James. Romans 2, 24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. We're in Romans 2, 24. Paul, once again, is making a, he's quoting from the Old Testament. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Now, if you look at some of the uh, other translations, they kind of they kind of change the order here. The New International Version, as it is written, they start with as it is written. God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The New Living Translation. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The ESV. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So he is referencing an Old Testament passage of scripture. And he's using that as an argument in his argument that he is using in Romans 2.24. He's to, to, to make his argument or to prove his argument in Romans 2.24, he is quoting from the Old 
Testament. What Old Testament passage is he quoting from? Well, it appears that he is quoting from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 5. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 5, and this is what we read. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught, that they rule over them, that they rule over them, make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. All right, what is going on? Now, my Bible here even has Romans 2, 24 kind of listed as a, as a connecting verse. So it seems that there is massive agreement that what Paul is doing in Romans 2, 24 is quoting Isaiah 52, 5. Let me read Isaiah 52, 5 again. And again, this is the kind of struggle that we're going to have to work through because when you read Isaiah 52, 5, you're kind of like, wait a minute, what is going on there? Let me just give you an idea. The heading for the chapter in my Bible for Isaiah 52 is God will restore Jerusalem. So in a chapter that possibly is about God restoring Jerusalem, Paul rips something out of its context and uses it as, an, uses it as proof for his argument in Romans 2, 24. What what do we do here? Let me read it to you again. Isaiah 52, 5. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught, that they rule over them, make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed? All right. So what do we need to do? Well, here is your assignment. You ready? Number one, what is Paul's argument in Romans 2, 24? What point is Paul trying to make in Romans 2.24? We need to establish what point he's trying to make, right? Number two, how is his, how is his citation of Isaiah 52.5 being used to make his point? What, so what point is Paul making? How is he using Isaiah 52.5 in order to prove that point or to make that point? So number one, what is Paul's argument? How is he using Isaiah 52.5 in order to make that point? Number three, in Isaiah 52, what is Isaiah chapter 52 about? What is Isaiah chapter 52 about? And number four, what is the point? What point is being made by Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 52, verse 5. So, what is Isaiah 52 about? What is Isaiah chapter 52, verse 5? What is the point of Isaiah 52, verse 5? And then lastly, does that point being made in Isaiah 52, verse 5, connect or make perfect sense in how Paul is using it in Romans 2, 24? All right, let's go through those again. Number one, what, what is Paul's argument? What argument is Paul making in Romans chapter 2, verse 24? What is the argument being made there in that context? In Romans chapter 2, verse 24, what is the argument? Number two, what, how is Paul using Isaiah 52, 5? How is he using Isaiah 52, 5 to make his argument or to make his point? How is he using it? What, what is he using it for? What is the point he's trying to make by citing Isaiah 52, 5? 
Number three, what is Isaiah chapter 52 about? Number four, what is the point Isaiah is making in Isaiah 52 5? What point is he making? And then lastly, is Isaiah 52 5 making a similar point that Paul is using it for? In other words, is it, does it make perfect sense? You're like, oh, Paul uses Isaiah 52 5. I go to Isaiah 52 5, making the same point. Okay, there's no problem. Is, does it make sense? Are they, are they together? If they're not together, right? Then what? Then then we'll then we have to get to how do we understand it? All right. So let me go through those again. Number one, and Romans and uh, Romans chapter two, Romans chapter two, leading up to verse twenty-four. Okay. What what point? What's what argument is Paul trying to make in Romans chapter two and, and leading up to verse twenty-four? What's his point? What argument is he trying to make? In Romans 2.24, how is Paul using Isaiah 52.5 in order to prove that point, to advance that point, to further along his argument? Number three, in Isaiah 52, what is the point of Isaiah chapter 52? What is it about? What's going on in Isaiah chapter 52? What is Isaiah 52 about? Number four, what point is Isaiah making in Isaiah chapter 52, verse five? And then lastly, does it, and, and there's different ways of saying this, and, and, the, and the last point is very important. Is the way uh, Isaiah is using his point in Isaiah 52, five, the same way Paul is using it in Romans 2, 24? In other words, is there perfect agreement here? If I go to Isaiah 52, five and go, oh, wow, he's making a good point. Whoa, Paul uses that point to, in a very powerful way in Romans 2, 24. Or are you left going, wait a minute, Isaiah seems to be saying this, Paul seems to be saying this, but Paul is using Isaiah. How, what's going on? Either A, you're going to be able to just say, there isn't a problem here. The context works. The points being made work. It all fits. Or you're going to come to a conclusion going, wait a minute. This doesn't work. It seems that Paul ripped Isaiah 52, 5 out of its original context and he's using it to make a different point than Isaiah was making. And then once we, if we establish that that's a problem, then guess what? Once again, we have to try to figure out how Paul is using Isaiah 52.5. Is he using, do we understand it by the census planor view? Do we understand it by the Jewish exegetical view? Do we understand it by the canonical reinterpretation view? Now, those are the only three that we have so far. We have more to go, obviously. But I'm going to continue to challenge people to work on these Old Testament citations found in the book of Romans. We're going to be doing this over and over again. So basically, here's what I need you to do. Grab a piece of paper and draw a line right down the middle. On one side, write down Romans 2.24. On the other side, write down Isaiah 52.5. You already know what I need you to do with Romans 2.24. What's the point? What argument is Paul making? What's, what's the argument? When I get to Romans 2.24, what argument is he making? Number two, how is he using Isaiah 52.5 in order to make that point? He says it is written. He's using the Old Testament passage. How is he using that Old Testament passage to make his point? Then on the other side, where you've got the Isaiah 52, 5 written at the top of the page, what is the, what is the message? What is the theme? What is the context? What is Isaiah 52 about? 
Once you establish that, Isaiah 52.5, all right, what's the point in Isaiah 52.5? All right, now, you've looked at Romans 2. You now looked at Isaiah 52. You now should have a pretty good understanding of what, the, what both sections are trying to accomplish. Now, and then it's easy to do the last step. step. Is Paul using it? I mean, do, do the two agree? Does the, is there agreement between Isaiah fifty two five and Romans two twenty four? Is Paul using Romans or is Paul using Isaiah fifty two five and Romans two twenty four to make the same point or to or to to, to really at, push that point on to to really show you its power and its impact? Or are you left scratching your head, going, "What is Paul doing?" The way he used Isaiah 52.5 makes no sense. It seems to be he's using it in a completely different way. He's completely giving, giving it a different interpretation. In fact, if I go back and read Isaiah 52.5, I would never come to the conclusion or I never would see in it how Paul used it in Romans 2.24. This is just a matter of you because you need to come to that conclusion. Now, then after we establish either there is no problem or if we establish there is a problem, then we have to try to find a solution. But if again, if you go get Christian commentaries, they just ignore these issues. They're like, hey, Paul's referencing Isaiah 52. Here's the point Paul makes. Okay, but was that the point in Isaiah 52? Yes or no? All right, I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there. I know I stated each one of those points a little differently, but I'm just, I didn't, I didn't want to force you. I, I want, because here's the thing. If I, if I state it in a very precise way, people will only look with that very precise way I ask the question in mind. And then they won't, they won't look at it. If I state it in a lot of different ways, it gives you the ability to go, okay. All right. He wants me to look at this. He wants me to look at this. I, I, I don't want, I want people to really dig in and try to figure out what I'm trying to find the answers to all the different ways I stated the same question. I stated the same questions, like each thing I told you to do in number one and number two and number three, I stated them in different ways, but it gives you a greater leeway, hopefully, in trying to figure out what I'm challenging you to look for. If I'm too specific, people will be like, well, I just don't see that. If I'm more vague in how I state it or state it a number of different ways, hopefully it will give people a little freedom to go, okay, I know what he's asking here. Okay, I, I think I can figure this out. All right, so here's your work. Romans 2.24, Isaiah 52.5. So I'm not going to state the principles again. I'm not going to state them again. You can go back and listen. If you are confused or if you need help, you can email me at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Obviously, the members of Victory Baptist Church, you can contact me via live chat. So please do that. Anybody else, just get to work. Get to work. Now, so you need to figure out what you believe about the perspicuity of Scripture. You need a clear, like, what do you believe about it? And then you need to make sure that when we start working on Romans 2.24 and Isaiah 52.5, you don't come to some kind of conclusion about this possible problem that destroys your belief in the perspicuity of Scripture. That would be hermeneutically inconsistent. All right, we'll stop there. There's a, I keep looking at Isaiah 52.5 and I just keep going, what? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe you're going to be able to uh, say, oh, look, it's it's the same idea. There's no problem here. Or maybe you yourself are going to go, wait, what, wait, what's going on? Let me know what you discover. 
Let me know what it, that the goal is to work together here. The goal is not trying to, to, to look smart. The goal is trying to figure out and struggle with it. All right. So don't be afraid to say something because you don't want to look smart. Um, say something and that we can, uh, well, we can look dumb together trying to figure this out because I don't have a lot of answers either. I think this is a, I think what we're doing here is unique. Most pastors won't do anything like this. So let's take advantage of doing something a little different. But you know what it's getting you to do? It's getting you to dig into scriptures. And the worst thing that can happen is when you're done, you have a better understanding of Romans 2.24 than you did. And you have a better understanding of Isaiah 52.5. That's great. Now, when it's all said and done, you may be left with more questions than answers, but you're still going to understand those two passages of scripture better than you did when you started. All right. Get to work. Get to work. Let me know what you discover. All right. Have a great day studying God's word. I look forward to hearing from you. If there's anything I can do to help, well, just let me know and I'll do whatever I can. All right. God bless. you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.